time enough at last. Submitted for your consideration to sci-fi fans, Sean Majors and Keith Conrad. Rewatch The Twilight Zone from beginning to end. It's like something out of that Twilighty show about that zone. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. This is Mr. Romney Wordsworth. In his last 48 hours on Earth, he's a citizen of the state, but will soon have to be eliminated because he is built out of flesh and because he has a mind. Mr. Romney Wordsworth, who will draw his last breaths in the Twilight Zone. Episode number 65 of The Twilight Zone was The Obsolete Man. And Sean, it's also the end of the second season, so we're uh, two-fifths of the way there. We've got a uh, we've got a, a lot to go through. If, you know, it feels like an accomplishment getting to the end of, of season two. And uh, man, what a finale! And I was actually looking ahead to uh, season three, and I think that like if you had to pick any you know one season that's sort of like the golden age of the Twilight Zone, I, I think I'd yeah. have to go with season three. So yeah, we've got some exciting of- things coming up. There's a lot of a lot of episodes to look forward to in season three. Yeah, so uh, so you know, stay stay uh, stay tuned to your your podcatcher of choice for <laughs> for next week when we start season three. And uh, in in the obsolete man, we're following the saga of Mitt Romney Wordsworth. <laughs> <laughs> he, okay, yeah, his name's actually just just Romney Wordsworth. I yeah. I caught that too, and I was trying to I I didn't bother to look it up, but I was trying to figure out if uh, like there was a Romney in charge of Michigan during you know during the filming of this, or if they had moved to Massachusetts yet. Uh, no, I, th- I, you know, in the sixties, I would think that, uh, that, that, uh, George Romney was, was governor of Michigan. Let, let's, Hey, I mean, we got the Google machine. <laughs> we, I actually just got Google installed on my computer. So yeah, let's, let's see when he was uh, governor of Michigan. Cause that, that may have actually just been when, when he was, uh, yeah, 60 January of 63 to, uh, January of 69. So, wow. Yeah, he was. It, lo- it looks like he was president of uh, the American Motors Corporation while this episode was on. Yeah, maybe that was a uh, <laughs> maybe that was a nod to the sponsors. <laughs> that may have been it. Maybe the Twilight Zone was actually sponsored by uh, you know get, get a gremlin from the American Motor Company and oh, uh, gosh and, and support the sponsors. <laughs> Uh, so we meet uh, Romney when he's uh, he, he's he's brought into what seems to be a, a courtroom, a courtroom with uh, just a bunch of his pals surrounding him in the shadows. Yeah. And, and what what what's interesting to me is, um, you know, he, he's he's on trial or whatever's going on here, but he, he's actually it's mentioned I think in the uh, in the intro and, and a couple different times that he's the chancellor, 
So of all the dictatorships in in real life and in, and in fiction, you almost yeah. have to admire this one because he's actually doing the work himself. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, just the name Chancellor, you know, uh, conjures up images of Germany. So at this point, we're what, 15, 16 years removed from the end of World War Two. So uh, good call in that regard. <laughs> but but, you know, it's not very often that, that a chancellor actually, you know, goes through the uh, the effort of, of ordering people to be executed himself. Usually, usually they, they outsource that work. He's a real chancellor of all trades. He really is. So, uh, so obviously, uh, uh, the chancellor is not a fan of Romney Wordsworth uh, or his uh, his his chosen profession. And uh, um, I, so this this actually hit me for the first time, and not until the end of this episode. But Burgess Meredith is a librarian in this episode. Is this an alternate timeline of him from Time Enough at Last? Because he's obsessed with books in that episode, and he's a he's a curator of books in this one. Oh, that's true. I never made that connection either. It, I mean, it, it took me this time to for it to actually sink in. I don't know if that was just a coincidence or if they were trying to, like, nod to, you know, because I'm sure by this time, Time Enough at Last was a well-known episode that people, you know, maybe it was talked about in Reader's Digest or something like that. Um, And, uh, but, yeah, so I don't know if that's a nod or just, you know, a happy coincidence. And, and of course, you know, in the the Rod Serling uh, name game, uh, he's a a librarian and his name is Wordsworth. Wordsworth. Yeah. So as uh, as Kramer on Seinfeld once said, that's like an ice cream man named Cone. <laughs> I'd almost be mad if his name wasn't Wordsworth. <laughs> uh, so he's uh, he's taken to task by the chancellor both uh, because of the fact that he uh, decided to be a librarian, and um, um, uh, also the fact that he believes in God. So that that's uh, that's also an issue. Uh, one thing that jumped out at me, uh, you know, it, watching this episode is imagine if you were actually put on trial and, and ultimately they decide to execute you because of your job. Yeah, uh, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd wonder, like, you know, what my boss was doing those days if he hadn't already been executed and jailed in reverse order, of course. I, I yeah, I would, I would assume so. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, uh, I I would quit my job. Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe it's just me. I, I mean, obviously he's uh, he, he's standing for for larger principles than just his job. Of course, but uh, but, but yeah, if they if they said you know Keith, uh, we're, we're this this new government here, they're they've decided to execute all the radio producers. I'd be like, you know, hey, more more power to you. I, I think they should all go too. But by the way, I'm welcome to Arby's. May I take your yeah. order? <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously he stands up for being a librarian, but um, I think uh, I, th- I think it was in the opening narration um, where, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Serling says logic is an enemy and truth is a menace, um, which, you know, logic and truth, uh, the, li- the librarian and, and libraries and I guess believing in God also are, um, well, I guess... Being a librarian is a stand-in for logic and truth, <clears throat> and then you know we'll we'll see later that you know believing in God or having a belief system that's not about you know not believing 
100% in the state or believing mm-hmm. something outside of the state is a stand in for, you know, individualism and, you know, being your own person and not being, you know, part of a, the hive mind, basically. Yeah. And uh, uh, he also uh, once it's decided that he's going to be uh, executed, uh, he decides that he wants to be executed on TV. And uh, the, the chancellor is, is more than happy to allow him to do that. Oh, he's into it. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I think it's it's at that point where he says, like, it's a great, you know, not a recruiting tool, but a, a great way to, you know, get the message across. And, uh, and then he brings up some some uh, situation where they executed, like, an obscene amount of people in, like, six hours on TV. Yeah. And, and here's what I don't get. Okay, so he's being executed for his job. But apparently, like, you're not allowed to just get another job. <laughs> so it, that makes me wonder here. How did he get that job in the first place? Uh, yeah, I, I would it, assume, you know, the state is relatively new and, and, you know, he probably just he was grandfathered in or something. You know, I, yeah, again, tw- 22 minutes to tell the whole story. They can't get into <laughs> they can't get into his backstory too much. It's so funny. There are just there's so few happy mediums. It's like, you know, just a big meaty episode with so much. I mean, this could be a movie, of course. This could be a 90 minute presentation. Meanwhile, you know, we'll see several times starting with next week that (laughs) some episodes could be uh, a solid two and a half minutes. Yeah, and and definitely get the exactly the same point across with with no problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm surprised no one's tried to make this a movie at at, the, at this point. Well, we've. Uh, <laughs> I think there there are just so many parallels. Uh, you know, particularly I think with re- really I'm not trying you know both sides isms, but just to be fair, there are. Uh, you know, I, I think this might hit a little too close to home these days. Well, yeah, I mean, we've we've, we've talked about this. I, I think we've alluded to it uh, on the podcast, but we've we've definitely talked about it, uh, uh, you know, off the uh, off the record. And uh, th- th- this is like 1984 in that whatever your political persuasion, right, left, uh, radical, moderate, like like me, uh, you, everybody uses it. Uh, to, to you know, as evidence of oh, you know, look, he was talking about the other side when he made this episode. Oh yeah, oh yeah, whatever's most convenient. I, I always, I, I wonder what the like radical moderate Simpsons version of you would be, where it's like you know, you you rush into a room with like a flaming Molotov cocktail, and then you're like, guys, guys, let's talk things over. <laughs> <laughs> talk things over, or else. <laughs> And then you just blow out like the the burning rag. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know in a Futurama I'd be the uh, the neutral race. Yeah, like, <laughs> absolutely. I have no strong feelings one way or the other. <laughs> if I don't survive, tell my wife hello. <laughs> uh, still got to go back and watch that show again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, so he decides that he's going to be executed live on TV, and uh, they're nice enough to allow him to do that, and they're going to do it right in his home, which is, I mean, say what you want about this dictatorship, but they're, they're making the trains run on time. They're, they're very, uh, you know, they're, they're very service-oriented, this, uh, the, this dictatorship. Very accommodating to people that they, uh, you know, 
<laughs> believe are less than uh, less than human. Which, by the way, you know, you brought up a good point that uh, he was talking about uh, that the, the chancellor, I mean, was was talking about how you know at one point they executed like six thousand people in an hour. And yeah. um, now they're reduced to executing one person and putting that one person on TV while the chancellor comes to say hi. Seems inefficient. The chancellor is really just he's he's one of those bosses who's like, nah, it's it's better if I do it. <laughs> well, you know, he's a hands on boss. I, I, you know, I, I guess I would I would take that as uh, they've executed just about everybody. So they're you know, at this point, they're, they're down to. You know, one or two dozen people that they don't like that they'll get to eventually. I wonder if they started with, you know, like actual enemies of the state, you know, people who may have, uh, you know, know, uh, prisoners stormed the Capitol. (laughs) (laughs) And then they like they did too many in that like uh, execution execution fun hour. And so that they had to like, oh, my God, that guy reads books. Uh, Obsolete. Like, I mean. Yeah, and uh, you know, eventually everybody's going to be obsolete in one way or the other, which which I think is is sort of the point at at the end of the it's episode. True. Um, so uh, the, you know, the chancellor uh, not only is he agreeing to have him executed by himself in his house on TV, but he comes to say hi, and that's when uh, that's when things take a turn for the uh, for the strange. Um, you know, he uh, starts to have a, a nice conversation with uh, with uh, Romney about uh, about uh, life, and apparently he made furniture to to not be obsolete. But eventually, people uh, ran out of need for furniture, so he became obsolete it's, anyway. It's really weird. So it's it's about this point every time I see this episode, and there you know there can be anywhere from like let's say three to ten years in between <laughs> the times that I watch <laughs> yeah. this episode. Um, or any Twilight Zone episode. <clears throat> and I always think, because uh, while on trial, Burgess Meredith says, um, I want to I want to only tell my, only my executioner will know the method of my execution. And so f- for some reason, every time I get confused, which shouldn't be a, a surprise to you or anybody else listening, um, that uh, when, he, when the Chancellor shows up, I always think that Burgess Meredith is going to surprise him with saying, you're the executioner, and this is and I've chosen to be blown up or, or, or something like that. But, um, and then I, then I realized, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess there, it would so, have been so a little you knew bit. The, you knew the ending, but you, you couldn't quite fill in the exact. I couldn't details, fill basically. in the middle. Like, and so every time I watch the episode, I'm like, this plot is contrived, but it, it works because you're, I'm kind of focusing on that. And I'm, I'm sure I'm in the minority, but it makes the ending even more impactful. I think. Uh, it, it would have been, kind of a different angle if uh, if they had actually done that like like you suggested where uh, the chancellor was supposed to be the executioner and he couldn't do it like like yeah. you know what what it it's one thing to you know order a bunch of soldiers to kill people but he couldn't actually do it himself thereby making him obsolete yeah yeah it, it, that would have worked too so again when they're when they're planning on on making a obsolete man movie <laughs> That yes. could be another angle they could do to, you know, sort of change things up a bit and and uh, make make the story a little fresher. Sign us up, future writer of that episode. Uh, so after he uh, has a nice little chat with the chancellor, he decides that he's going to uh, read the Bible and uh, and just sit there. And uh, he he invites the chancellor to join him. 
just just waiting for the uh, for the the time of execution. I, I believe he actually does tell him that the room's going to blow up. Yeah, he tells him, and then they um, they get into like you know the philosophical argument about you know this this action that the state is 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 doing, and uh, they really lay it on thick. Um, you know, speaking of us, uh, you know. <laughs> or speaking about saying, you know, that uh, any sides molds like 1984 to yeah. to fit their own political narrative. Um, another thing is, you know, when all else fails, call the other side Hitler. And that's exactly what they kind of <laughs> like the chancellor calls themselves like Hitler didn't go far enough. And so, I mean, if there's any way to make this guy an even badder guy. <laughs> It's to it's to say Hitler didn't go far enough, which you know Fritz Weaver was in uh, in, in quite a few Twilight Zone episodes, or at least you know two or three, and um, you know I I know that a lot of times actors will say they they like to play the villain, you know, because mm-hmm. it's um, you know it, it's a it's a change of pace. I, I yeah. although I do I do remember in an interview Ronald Reagan saying he played the villain once in a movie and hated it and would never do it again. <laughs> So apparently he was one actor who didn't. Um, I absolutely love Fritz Weaver. I um, did not know how many uh, TV shows and movies that mainly TV shows that I recognized him from. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it makes me want to watch creep show the movie again. Yeah. If you remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think you may, you mentioned that when we were talking about uh, third from the sun, another uh, episode. Yeah. And uh, but, but you got to wonder, like, like this guy is so just he's not even two dimensional. He's like one dimensional. <laughs> he's just he's just a, he's just a bad guy and a, and, a, and a dictator with, a, you know, you know, without a without a, a original thought in his head. So that, that can't seem like it would be a very fun uh, part to play. So I wonder if uh, if, you know, he drew the short straw or Rod Serling yeah. said, hey, I, I've got this other episode you could be in. That'll be much more interesting. <laughs> or, or he was under maybe, contract, so he didn't have a choice. That might be it. Maybe he thought the uh, the ending really gave him a, a, a twist to seek to sink his teeth into. Uh, that that could be, um, you know, but but I wonder how that conversation goes. Hey, got good news. You got a part. Uh, the, the bad news is, yeah, this 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 guy's not too great. You're a one dimensional bad guy. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, Wordsworth, he seems, uh, you know, at, at this point, he seems, uh, you know, pretty calm and cool and collected about uh, the whole dying thing. You know, I, I guess he's probably reached a point where he's like, you know, first of all, he's going to send a message with his death. So, you know, that that's he's probably viewing viewing that as a, a positive. But I would imagine at some point you get sick of, you know, just living in a dictatorship. And eventually you're like, <laughs> yeah, if you're going to execute me, just go ahead. And I mean, you know, he's not he's not exactly like a 21 year old spring chicken so no he he did uh he did uh, live his life to the fullest that you could in a situation like that <laughs> i um i also wonder uh you know they talk about books being obsolete right. if <laughs> and not like the words in those books i mean you know 2021 uh it's sad to say that the brick and mortar bookstores are aren't aren't uh they're not exactly on every corner like a starbucks these days but you should still go out and buy my print book uh righteous might uh available at eckhartspress.com out of the park (laughs) (laughs) 
so as calm as uh, Wordsworth is, uh, the Chancellor is not. He uh, he starts to sweat almost immediately and eventually mm. just screams in the name of God, let me go. Wordsworth says in the name of God, I will let you go. And uh, as, as soon as he runs out the door, the, the room, ex- room explodes, uh, presumably killing Wordsworth. I mean... Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't know for sure, but uh, we're led to believe he is he's no longer with yeah. us. But, but he, he seemed uh, seemed to have at least some peace at, at the end there. And, uh, right. you know, the, the funny thing is, so after he escapes from the 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 room that just exploded, he seems <clears throat> to just calmly go to work the next day thinking that everything's fine. Hey, guys, crazy, crazy times last night. How did you see that on TV? <laughs> I know I told I know I ordered all of you to watch it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you saw it. Didn't I do great? <laughs> it's either. Yes, I saw you, um, you know, completely failing your mission or no. I uh, disobeyed a direct order to watch. Yeah, that, that's true. You, that's a little Kobayashi Maru scenario for the uh, <laughs> for, for the brown shirts. You know, one one thing when um, he when he uh, when Burgess Meredith says, yes, Chancellor, for the love or in the name of God or for the love of God, um, it reminds me of completely different scenario. But it reminds me of the cask of Amontillado when um, when uh, the narrator is like bricking up uh, Fortunato while he's chained to the uh, chained to the wall. And then Fortunato finally understands his fate and he says, for the love of God. And then narrator says, yeah, for the love of God. (laughs) And then like, you know, finishes his work. I mean, two very different things, but um, I I don't know if there was some kind of connection there that they were trying to to make that. I mean, obviously it's very convenient that it, you know, fits into the plot. So I'm probably just digging as always. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if, if Rod Serling was going to, uh, to rip anybody off, why not Edgar Allan Poe? May as well. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyways, as soon as he strolls into work and I, and I picture him driving up to, uh, driving up to the building, like, uh, like Michael Scott in the office where he pulls up and just goes, it's Brittany bitch. Uh, <laughs> that, that's basically what happened. Uh, <laughs> you tell him, uh, you, you've disgraced, uh, the stage, you're a coward and therefore you have no function and you're obsolete. Ha-ha. And uh, so, so he's convicted, and the 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 crowd, you know, sort of drags him away. And that's the thing that's sort of weird at the end of this, like how the crowd acts is just kind of weird. Like, I, they're, 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 it's really weird. Yeah, and that was something where I don't know if, like, in previous versions, uh, that had actually been cut out. Um, you know, but but I I I swear that was something that I hadn't seen before. Yeah, they, um, I, I assume like you're talking about like the weird growling. Yeah, they, they kind of like, there's growling. They just sort of surround him and, and moan at him. And it, it's, it's a little weird. <laughs> I mean, if they're trying to, you know, get the point across that, you know, uh, those employed by the state for these purposes are mindless zombies, then mission accomplished. But it is, it is weird and seems a little out of place. It does, but it, it doesn't uh, doesn't affect my uh, my enjoyment. Well, enjoyment no. seems like a weird word for an episode like this, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't affect my appreciation of of this episode. No. It, it, it's still good nonetheless. It is one of the best for sure, and it has provided uh, political hacks of all political stripes <laughs> with <God>. ammo <laughs> for years. The chancellor, the late chancellor, was only partly correct. He was obsolete. But so is the state, the entity he worshipped. 
Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone.